This has been a partnership with uh, WCCO Radio and the Star Tribune for a long, long time. Playing politics today, represented by John Rash and Scott Gillespie. Clearly the biggest story of the day. President Zelensky virtually appearing in front of Congress. Uh, raised so many important points. Memorable, met the moment. His oratory skills should never be uh, doubted. But at the end of the speech... He switched over to English and offered up these words. And as the leader of my niche, I'm addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the niche of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Ukraine. John, it is a historic moment. It is a frightening moment, which is taking place right now with a madman trying to take over a country and civilians and others in his way. A slaughter taking place and remarkable resilience shown by everyday civilians. And here you have their commander in chief, their president. Uh, worn out by weeks of this, appearing in front of Congress. It was a speech that will be remembered for a long time. What stood out the most to you? That he used timeless values and modern media in the presentation, but the most uh, compelling component of the presentation was the president himself and his authentic nature and his willingness to lead and indeed perhaps die for his country. And rarely have we seen a leader so enmeshed in self-defense as we are Volodymyr Zelensky at this point. And as you mentioned quite rightly, Chad, his communication skills, whether it's in Ukrainian, his native Russian, which he speaks very, very well, or whichever country he's speaking to, and, and his ability to evoke history and tailor the message to the people and provoke a response that is remarkable that the presidents or prime ministers of those countries he's speaking to wishes they could replicate um, is really something we haven't seen on the world stage for quite some time. And thank goodness that it exists because the stakes are extraordinarily high, not just for Ukraine, but as he mentions, for Europe and indeed the world. Same question to you, Scott. I thought the audio you played Chad was perfect because to me that was the most really newsworthy part of the speech. Uh, the fact that President Zelensky took this opportunity to speak directly not only to Congress, not only to the American people, but at the end there, specifically to President Biden and really putting uh, the onus on, on the president to you know, lead the free world and uh, saying that you know, in so many words, that peace is is up to him and the decisions that President Biden makes. And I think in the subsequent remarks that uh, President Biden did make, uh, I even felt like I sensed a little bit of almost defensiveness as he talked about what we've already mm-hmm. done. Yes. And then also tried to lay out what we're what we're going to be doing from here, um, you know. Uh, so uh, a lot of pressure on President Biden 
all through this for sure, but even more so now, I think, because of the way President Zelensky spoke directly to him. The decision, Scott, had been made by the administration already before the Zelensky speech, timed for the Zelensky speech, to announce afterwards that they were going to give another $800 million in aid. We cannot dismiss $800 million. But while President Zelensky was pushing once again publicly and privately for the no-fly zone, the president said no again. I raised this the other day. I want to ask both of you guys this. I, I understand what the president is saying. You are dealing with this despot who has nuclear capabilities, and once a no-fly zone takes place, we are now in a war. But does the president, Scott, need to add some sort of caveat, something else to when he says, we will defend NATO, but we're not going in to Ukraine? Does he also have to add something along the lines of President Putin, trust me, We are watching you every single day. And we have a number of lines within Ukraine itself that we are saying right now, as of now, we're not going to put troops in there. But as we watch this, don't assume that you have carte blanche. Something along those lines, because it just, I think the more I see this, the more I see civilians day after day after day killed. And and I understand the logic. But just to over and over again, Scott and John say, well, we're never going in. That's certainly emboldened this maniacal man right now to feel I can do anything in Ukraine. If I go to Poland, it's totally different. But in this country, the White House is just saying hands off. Well, I think you're right. And, uh, and I do think the administration has signaled to Putin that chemical weapons would be a step too far. But I you know, did not hear President Biden specifically say that today. Uh, he has stopped short of, of that or of you know, really setting up any other red lines. And I think that your, your point's a good one, too, about seeing uh, women and children and, and, and Ukrainian innocents killed day after day. Uh, is very powerful. The video that President Zelensky showed today of a peaceful Ukraine. Yes. And now what's what it's what it's turned into was was stunning. And uh, credit to you know CNN, the other networks, uh, and all the photo and uh, and uh, other journalists who are are risking and in some cases losing losing their lives to tell this story. And what that means is that we're seeing it in real time. And um, it's uh, wars held to look at. And I think that ups the ups the pressure on the U.S. and President Biden. Um, but you're right. He hasn't been very clear about about red lines. How about you, John? Concur with Scott. That he has not been clear about red lines, but I think he's been too clear about his red line of not entering this conflict, which does not mean, I want to make quite clear from my perspective, that we should. But I think every time that he telegraphs that, it sends a dispiriting message to Ukrainians. And I think just silence on the issue could have made Vladimir Putin have to calculate his military maneuvers more, his risk tolerance more. But I think that the carte blanche statement that in no way will the U.S. be involved hasn't necessarily helped 
those we were trying to aid in Ukraine, and it's potentially emboldened the aggressor, which of course is Russia. That being said, I think President Biden and Congress deserve and received great credit from President Zelensky in terms of not just the 800 million on top of what they had already done, but in particular, President Biden has been the true transatlanticist that he is, and he's been able to rally NATO nations as well as, I think importantly, some Indo-Pacific allies as well, you know, to really resist this Russian invasion. So I think he's done that quite well. And when you're talking about the pressure that's going to come, I do think there may be pressure to put some red lines down. As Scott rightly mentioned about chemical weapons, I would also add biological weapons, which is not unthinkable at this point, um, to keep bringing up the specter of war crimes, which I think if Vladimir Putin isn't concerned about that, his military and political aides ought to be very frightened about that because it usually doesn't just stop at the top. And I think that um, they should, President Biden is going to be really pressured to provide the aircraft that President Zelensky is pushing for. I think on a bipartisan basis, most of Congress is convinced. So watch for that as the next big news that could eventually be announced by the White House. I want to talk about the uh, governor's race and remind folks playing politics. John and Scott are on the John Schuster Colo Banker hotline. Scott Jensen continues to build momentum on the Republican side, announced another significant fundraising total, adding Matt Burke, uh, the, the one gathering which he won decisively, getting crowds out, John, that of folks who normally don't attend events. I'm starting to think, uh, first of all, I'm on record. I think he's going to be the nominee. But right now, how much of a favorite do you think Scott Jensen is at this point to be the Republican nominee? I certainly think he could be the nominee. I would not call anyone at this point a clear front runner. He may have edged out in front of Senator Gazelka just a bit. But, you know, I think you're going to have a scramble. And, you know, we have there are some consequential candidates that, that are in the race as well um, that may be able to make a move as it gets closer to the primary that that's going to take place or at minimum the convention that's going to endorse one of the candidates. That being said, I think that many of the issues that Scott Jensen and now Matt Burke are running on are really popular with Republicans, particularly the pushback against mask mandates and vaccine mandates but among the broader set of Minnesotans, I don't think that that's necessarily a winning electoral message. I don't think it's necessarily broad enough, which tells me that he and all the other candidates are going to look to something that has a little bit more universal appeal and start talking more specifically about crime, both in the central cities as well as the surrounding suburbs, which is really has resonance throughout the state. Scott? I agree with you, Chad. If I had to bet today, I think he's the favorite. Uh, I think it can change, to, and John's correct. It's, it's early, and there's a lot of a lot of ball game left to be played. But it sure seems like the energy is behind his campaign, and uh, by by a fair margin uh, over the other Republican candidates at this point. Just the, the buzz about it, and uh, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday about that the Burke pick, and you know, not that many gubernatorial races are going to get one based on a lieutenant uh, governor. 
or a candidate for lieutenant governor, but you know, Bert brings more more energy and more buzz. A well-known name and uh, uh, different, uh, and you, you know, just a different dynamic uh, than you typically see. Uh, so I thought I thought it was a pretty uh, populist kind of pick, uh, and certainly got a lot of attention. And I think we'll continue to. So if I had to bet right now, I'd, I'd put my my ten bucks on the Jensen candidacy as well. Gentlemen, I always appreciate it. Thanks so much. Enjoy the day. We'll uh, talk next week. Thank you, Chad. John Rash and Scott Gillespie from the Star Tribune, the Star Tribune editorial board.